You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. Good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing today? You guys ready for this? All right, we're excited to just take some of your questions and just, what does the Bible say about these things? We're going to dive into that today. I'm going to be your Oprah Winfrey today, so hopefully it doesn't turn into Geraldo Rivera. You guys ever watch that one? It gets a little wild, so hopefully, hopefully these boys are calm today. I got Pastor Chris and Pastor Trey with me. Say, you're not watching Geraldo, are you? No, but I've... I've I haven't You've seen the chair it. incident, and then, yeah, you, okay, yeah, don't throw exactly. your chair. I'm not watching it on a regular basis or anything. Don't worry, so. All right, you guys ready to dive in? Yeah, why don't you pray for us, Tate, and pray all right. for all this. And, um, yeah, you guys, you've asked some great questions, and um, I want you to hear our heart in this, and Tate's going to pray. So if you have a Bible, let me, let, let's hold that out real quick. Everyone get out your Bible. Come on, we got a Bible. Let me see your Bible. We believe as a church that the Bible is God's authoritative word to us. And what we do is we submit ourselves to God's word. We don't submit God's word to us. There's a lot of people who approach God's word as they place themselves over it and they wanna edit God's word. The posture we are called to take is that we, we posture ourselves under God's word and we submit ourselves to it. So we just unapologetically hold to, to God's word. And what you're going to see as we go through this is that we are doing our best to get you to understand God's heart in his word and take every question that we, we have to his word. I believe and we believe that the, the life God has for you, the, the, the life that God intends for you to be living is to be lived out in surrender to him, yielded to him. And so we're gonna take all the questions just to God's word. And I wanna teach you something. Listen, you can do this with everything in your life. Someone say Amen. Like everything in your life can go to the authority. Bible says this, God says this, that he holds his word above his very name. Isn't that wild? Like God says, I want you to understand how important the word is. And so we're gonna look at God's word today and take all these questions to his word. And so Tatum, why don't you pray pray over us? God, we thank you so much that we get to be in your house this morning. And God, we thank you that your word, Lord, it applies to every area of our life, every situation that we're going through, God, that your word has wisdom for us, has insight for us. And so right now, God, as we answer these questions, as we get into your word, God, I pray that you would would speak to our hearts, God, the, the things that we're going through, Lord, the questions that we have, God, that you would you would direct our thoughts right now, God. And Lord, we would just line ourselves up with you, Jesus. And, and God, just give us ears to hear, Lord, our hearts to be open to all that you want to do in our lives this morning, and we ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, ready? We're gonna, I think so. We're going to dive, we're going to dive right in. Um, our first question that came up is how to handle children dealing with homosexuality. Chris. We just jump right in, don't we? We're just jumping right. right in. Um, let's go. All right, so uh, great question. It's a really good question. Matter of fact, stats show us today that about... About 25 years ago, this was maybe happening with only, and only about 4% of homes were having to even asked this question. And today, because of what we're facing in society and where, where we're at as, as a nation, it's actually pushed up, listen everybody, unbelievably, to about 35% of homes, the 40% of homes are having to wrestle with this question, what do I do, what do I do? Um, because they're facing this on a daily basis. And the church actually needs to be the leading voice in, in, in giving parents tools and, and um, 
yeah, support in walking through this. And so here's the first thing I would, I would say, and then we'll jump into it. First of all, as parents, look at me, everybody, you gotta get your kids talking about everything. There's a lot of things you, we used to think, oh, don't talk to them about that, don't talk to them about this, don't talk to them. You live in a culture right now, can I just help you out? Listen to me, parents. You live in a, in a society right now that the, the reality of it is this, that if you're not talking to them, somebody is. Did you hear me? If you're not talking to them, somebody is. They, they are seeing something on TikTok, they are hearing from friends, they are, they are wrestling with it somewhere. And so you're thinking to yourself, oh, we'll get to it. And I'm just saying, what we used to get to, we gotta get to now. And so we gotta get our kids talking. Of course, appropriate on their level, but we gotta be asking questions. We gotta get them talking. I actually think as parents, Tate, I mean, Tate and I have uh, three incredible children who love God to this day and have survived being a pastor's, uh, uh, pastor's kids. People say that can't happen. They love God. And I wanna tell you, at the core of it, I think a lot of it is that we just kept them talking about everything. I'll, I'll talk to you about anything. And so I wanna say, parents, keep them talking. Now, when it comes to this issue of homosexuality and even like gender, conf gender confusion, gender dysphoria, uh, here's what I would say to you as a, as, a, as a parent. First of all, first and foremost, I, you, I would encourage you to take some notes because you're gonna, if you're thinking to yourself, also never happened in my home, uh, I pray, pray that's the, the, the case, but I want you ready. And so the answer is this, the first thing is this, you gotta respond in grace, and I think that's really important. A lot of parents have, you know, rightfully so, you have obviously, some of you got a stance on what should be happening in their life and what, what shouldn't be happening in, in life, and we'll get to that in a second. But before you go there, before you're, uh, <laughs> before you're tempted to pull out some Leviticus 19 or wherever else you're gonna go, Rome is like to your child, uh, I need you to understand that you have to, it's so critical that you respond in grace. You need to reaffirm your love. You need to tell them that uh, what you have just told me changes nothing about my love for you. Um, listen to them, thank them, listen, thank them for having the courage to talk to you. You need to realize that what they just told you and what they have expressed to you is something that they have been wrestling with for months and months, if not years, behind the scenes and have had other influences uh, talking to them and coaching them along the way. Even the moment to sit down and talk with you is a big moment uh, for them. And so you gotta realize that they have been carrying a massive burden behind the scenes that mom and dad have not been uh, privy to or have not been involved in, in conversation with. So reaffirm your love, listen to them, thank them for having the courage. Um, um, and, and then I'd say this, like you just need to be prepared to walk the, to walk the long road with them. You, you gotta keep, guys, listen to me, you gotta keep relationship open. You gotta keep relationship open. Um, you, you gotta keep them knowing that they love you and they can come to you with anything at, at all. So someone say responding grace. So you give them love, 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 love. Now listen, with wisdom now, as time goes on and God gives opportunity, with wisdom, in love, share the truth. Because as a parent, as a parent, you, the Bible says to train up a child in the way that they go. That means in, that way that they should go. It means you gotta give them truth. You, you wanna point them in the direction that they should go. And so now in the, in the context of love, we're gonna give them God's word. We're gonna give them truth. And here's where a lot of people, that there's some confusion with, with homosexuality and gender confusion, all this. Well, what is the truth? What, what does God's word say? Um, and let me just be 
kind of frank with you. The, 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 I'm actually get, I get really kind of frustrated when it comes to the uh, conversation about you know, homosexuality and, and such. Because what happens is when we have that conversation, we like to blow that conversation up to a whole nother level, uh, into a whole nother thing. And the reality is it's a thing amongst many things. In other words, like homosexuality is, is one thing among other things. Is homosexuality, according to God's word, a, a sin? Okay, yes. I mean, you could Leviticus chapter uh, 18, 1 Corinthians 6, Romans 1, on and on and on and on, and we could point to all these Bible verses and, and talk about how it's sin. But listen to me, so is pride. And, 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 so, and so is having a critical spirit. And so is, you know, there's another question you guys asked about drunkenness. And so, I mean, so it's like we take this and we elevate it to this place where it's like it's just this other category. And the reality is it's not. Let me teach you about sin. Sin, we have what's called a, 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 a sin nature, okay? Our, 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 our nature, the Bible calls it flesh, is drawn toward re, re, rebellion against God, okay? And all of us have some, some sort of propensity that pulls us away from God. So some will be pulled away from what God desires and they get pulled away into, say, lust, for example. That's your thing. That's what, what your flesh wrestles with most. When it, there's, a, there's a propensity drawn toward lust. There's a propensity drawn toward pride. Propensity drawn toward arrogance. Drawn toward whatever your thing is. And there does exist a propensity, a draw toward same-sex attraction. Does that make, we don't look at, pride and go, well, if you feel that way, it's okay. We don't look at uh, arrogance or, or conceitedness and go, if you feel conceited, that's okay. I want to bless your conceitedness or I want to bless your, right? We don't. What we do is we draw people back to what God's word teaches and God's word teaches this isn't, this isn't God's best for you. Yes, it's there. There is a draw, but you need to handle that same uh, that temptation, the way you handle any temptation. How, how are we to handle any temptation? The Bible tells us that we are to repent. What does that mean? It means I turn from that thing and I turn toward God. I turn from the thing that's wanting to pull me and I end up turning toward God who alone is, is good. Friends, listen. God knows how things work. At the core of all things, like God knows how sexuality works. He knows how marriage is supposed to work. He knows how gender is supposed to work. God, in his word, I mean, come on, everybody, he knows how it works. The problem we're facing today, I'm kind of going on a rant, but I hope you love me. The, the, the problem we're facing today is that there's just a, there's a, there's this conversation about being, these things, yeah. There's a conversation about being um, genuine to ourselves. You know, if I feel a certain way, then that must mean I am a certain way. And what we're doing is we're elevating our feelings to this place where our feelings are now something I bow to, my feelings are now something I have to align my life up with in order to be, you hear this word thrown around all the time, authentic. Like I'm not authentic unless I submit myself to this desire, this feeling that's inside of me. And so what we've created in our generation is a whole bunch of people who are running around chasing their feelings in order that they might be authentic. Friends, I need you to hear me. Your feelings can lie to you. Your feelings are not always right. I mean, come on, anybody. You ever lived a season of your life where you went around just doing whatever the heck you felt like? 
just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good. Just because it feels authentic to where you are in the moment doesn't mean that it is the best thing for you in the moment. And what we have to be willing to do is to help train our children and to train anyone, all of us. I gotta train myself, everybody. There are things I want to do. Paul said this. I mean, the, the thing, there's things I wanna do, but I know I shouldn't do. And I wrestle all the time, Paul says. And why is it, why is it that we feel like authenticity is giving ourselves over to our feelings? What we want in our generation, what we wanna teach, what we wanna get ourselves to is not that we're running after authenticity, chasing our feelings, but really what we're running after, what we're craving in, in our, our inner being is integrity. So what integrity does is says, I live according to what God says, because he knows what's best. God says, no matter how I feel, no matter what, it, what, I, what I, my emotions are telling me, what my draw is telling me, God, what does your word say is good and, good and true, right? So, um, it's called in scripture, is this okay everybody, you with me? Like it's called in scripture, scripture calls it that we, we, we wrestle with flesh and, and spirit. There's a, there's a, what the Bible calls flesh, it's the you minus God. It's the you before you gave your life to Jesus. Does anybody remember the you before God got a hold of you? You, right? And all your desires and all the things that you wanted to run after, that's called your flesh. And your flesh has desire. Well, the Bible says that we are to be filled with the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the lust of the flesh. That's Galatians chapter five. What we are called to do, friends, is to walk in the Spirit, and actually, Scripture goes on to the point where it says um, that we are to put to death the desires of the flesh. Like, I'm to die to those things that I might live in what God has for me. Why? Because God's a big killjoy? Kill because God's up in heaven trying to ruin everybody's life? No, because God actually knows how this works. And I promise you, any road that we choose to run down that doesn't line up with God's word will always produce the same thing in our lives. Right up front, it might feel like, oh, this is the right thing, and now I'm being genuine. It will always produce the same thing. The Bible says that the wages of sin, it's always death. And people think to themselves that death as physical death, it's death as in separation from life and life abundantly that God actually wants to give you. There is a surrender of myself to Jesus and my desires to Jesus on every front in my, in my life, including my sexuality. Um, and that's where scripture goes. There's hope, there's hope. The Bible, the Bible, Paul writing to, to a church, he goes on, he says, hey, don't you know that there's a whole group of people not gonna get into heaven? And he lists like that, that if you're doing these things, if you're submitting to these things constantly, that you, you are separated from the life God wants to give you. And he goes and he lists drunkards, he lists this, he lists homosexuality, he lists, he lists it all in scripture. And then, he, and then he says, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 and 11. And he says, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 11, and he says, and such were some of you but you were washed, you were cleansed, you were redeemed in the blood of Jesus. And God just said, I'm gonna bring you back. We are all wrestling with stuff, all of us. And again, as we open this thing, we believe that there's a submission to God's word and not a ruling over God's word. I'm not editing God's word based upon popular opinion and culture, but I'm gonna submit to my, submit to my God based on the fact that, that he loves me, he knows what's best, and I just gotta keep bringing myself back to him over and over and over again. And so for parents, keep them talking, love them first and foremost, 
and share the truth with them in love, drawing them back to God's word. The Bible says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Amen? His kindness. Be kind. Love your kid. And I understand there's all sorts of complexities in that and what does it mean and um, if they're struggling with gender can, you know, uh, dysphoria, do I, do I use their pronoun now? Do I do all those different things? And, I, and again, we could have more conversation on that, but God gave you a conscience, pay attention to it. Um, and so anything else you guys want to add? I talked for a really long time. Yeah, I disagree with all of that. I got to ask that guy that just argues the whole time. You know, Chris, when I, what I think is, no, so I'm not that guy. Uh, no, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So true. Yeah, I love to reaffirm your love. Uh, someone was just sharing with me that there's a, a high school girl that they're talking with who shared with her parents that, that she uh, was dealing with homosexuality, and her parents are telling her that she's gross, and they're mad at her. Yeah. Now she has you know, depression and suicidal thoughts, and so it's so important that your kid, they're your kids no matter what, right? Yeah. And so you got to love them. So I and, and you got to remember really how good. Jesus, how God sees all that. Man, like, come on. You got stuff. God still loves you. Come on, guys. Our kids, are, our kids are wrestling now more than ever, and what they need is your love now more than ever. Man, just love them, walk with them, point them toward what's right. And, and you, you, I, when, when, if a kid comes to you and tells you what, where they're at, if a friend comes to you and tells you where they're at, your heart needs to be broken, not, not as in, I can't believe you're there, and I can't believe, your heart's broken is in, in you kidding me, you've been walking with this for how long and you haven't been able to share it with me? You've been struggling with, with this for how long and, and I haven't been able to walk this road with you? Come on, get on the road and walk it with them. Walk it with them and, and love them no matter what. Um, that's good. Amen? Amen, that's great. All right, let's dive into our next question here. Pastor Trey, this is for you. How do you navigate continuing to pray expectantly in the reality of unanswered prayers? You don't get a mic anymore. There you mic go. anymore. Hey, there we go. Uh, hey, anybody, anybody ever just had a prayer that went unanswered? Come on, you just, you just raise your hand. Yeah, um, that's the reality. And whoever submitted this question, no doubt there's some, there's probably some pain behind that. There's probably some frustration. Yeah. Right? Proverbs tells us that uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Like, there's no, there's no pain, there's no frustration, like when you're believing for something to happen and it just isn't happening. You know, I'm expecting God to do this, and it's just, it's just, it's not happening. So first, I'd like to, yeah, I always like to kind of validate the, the frustration behind that and the, the heartache behind that. I mean, hope, um, hope deferred makes, makes the heart sick. I, I would, I, there's several passages of scripture, several stories in the Bible of People who, you know, were believing God for something and had to just, had to keep believing. You know, I love Hebrews. We always, we always quote Hebrews 11 and this amazing stories of faith and, and how, you know, there's, there's these great stories in the Bible that the writer of Hebrews is, is recounting and all these great men and women of God who, who did these amazing things. And he goes down this list of like some shut the mouths of lions and all, all of these things, like just these epic things. And then like in the same breath, he's like, and some died, some were killed, like some were beheaded. Some, Some never saw the dream come to pass. Some never saw the promise come to pass. And the reality, the reality is that there are unmet, um, unmet expectations within us. Um, because let's be honest. I mean, we 
God sees things in a different way than we see things, right? He's on a different timeline. He's on a, he's on a different level. Scripture says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. Sometimes when, when I'm praying for something to happen and uh, to go super, I wouldn't plan on doing this, but going to super personal, um, I've been there, uh, you know, a little over a year ago. Uh, both of my parents were in the hospital with COVID, and my my mom was not doing well at all. And we were praying, praying, praying. And I was talking to my dad, and they're literally in two separate hospital rooms, and she wow. can't she can't answer the phone because she can't breathe. And and my dad is kind of talking me through, and and we're praying and praying and praying. And I mean, a quick turnaround, like God healed my mom. It was amazing. Um, but in the same moment, my dad took a turn for the worse. And uh, we prayed and prayed and prayed for weeks and weeks and weeks. He was in intensive care and ended up in January of 2021, ended up passing away. Um, and, and there was that, 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 sick, that sick feeling of, oh my God, you're, you're a healer. You're supposed, like, I had, if I had enough faith, if I prayed hard enough, like all of these things, I mean, I'm, I'm pastoring in a church and, and, and you took my dad, like you didn't, didn't answer the prayer. Like what, what happened? And, and, uh, there's, there's a few things that helped me through that. Number one is constantly reminding myself that my hope is not in anything on this earth. My hope is anchored in heaven, right? Jesus says we, we have this hope. It's an anchor for our soul. And if I can just keep my, if I can just keep my eyes, Bob Goff likes to say this, he says like, like pointing to the horizon. Like if I can just keep my eyes on heaven, on eternity, um, it gives me a little bit of a confidence and a little bit of settling in the here and now. But then there's also some practical, some other practical things of like, I I had to get some people around me when I didn't have enough faith. Like, God, I just, I'm mad at you right now. I had to have some people around me that could carry me, that could have some faith for me, that could, you know, keep believing God for me, that could could keep encouraging me and and get some people around me. My wife was instrumental in that and and some close friends, some dear friends, Um, and then so, I know that went super serious and super sad. I don't mean to do that. Uh, on the other side of it, like sometimes we're praying for things and I think sometimes we gotta check what we're, like we gotta check our prayers, right? Like we're expecting God to do something and there's a few, there's a few checks that I, I wrote down that, that we need to check. Number one, like we need to check our alignment um, and what, is what I'm praying, is it in alignment with God's word? Is what I'm praying for and believing for and expecting, is it in alignment with God's will, right? Like we, Jesus, the disciples said, teach us how to pray. Then we get the Lord's prayer. He said, pray like this. And in that, he says, your will be done. Not my desires, not my, not my will, your will be done. So we, we got to check, check our alignment. Number two, we got to check our intentions. We got to check our intentions behind it. James says, James 4, 3 says, you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly. Like there's sometimes where we're praying, we're praying for something and wanting something and desiring something and the intention behind it and the motive behind it is selfish and the motive behind it is wrong. And then we get mad because God's not answering it, right? We get mad because God's not answering those prayers. Well, hey, check, check your intention, check your intention. And then number three, I think one of the one of the best ways you can get through those times of unmet expectations and unanswered prayers is to check your perspective, to, to check, check your perspective. James again says, when your faith is tested, 
your endurance has a chance to grow. Sometimes God's not answering your prayers yet because he's growing you. He's, he's testing your, I think about Joseph. Joseph had a dream that his, his brothers, like he had these couple of dreams that the result was that his brothers were going to be bowing down to him. And you would think that, okay, like I'm going to share this dream. It's going to come to pass. But then the next thing we know, Joseph's in a pit. Then the next thing we know, he's in a prison. The next thing we know, he's being forgotten about in prison. Like all these bad negative things happened and the promise wasn't being fulfilled. The dream, the, the prayer wasn't coming to pass. But I believe that God was, was testing his faith, growing his faith. And, um, and because, I mean, honestly, we say this like, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that can't be trusted, right? Like sometimes, maybe, maybe God's allowing something to happen to you or allowing you to walk through something. And, and maybe we look at it as like, God, why are you doing this to me? And maybe it's like, God's trusting you with that. God's trusting you with the waiting. God's trusting you with the unanswered prayer. And if we could just shift our perspective to have this attitude of gratitude of, of hey, God, th- thank you for... When I'm not seeing the, the, the promise or the prayer come to pass, and when I'm getting frustrated, one of the best things I can do is I can start looking and celebrating what God's doing in somebody else's life. Right. And I just say, man, I know I'm still praying for this, but God, thank you for blessing them. Thank you for answering that prayer. And, it, and the truth, truth be told, I mean, you can look back at your life and say, God, if you, do it, if you don't do anything else for me, like you've done enough, like you, all the things, even the prayers that I didn't pray that you answered without me even praying them, like, thank you, God. If I can just change my perspective, I think it will help us come out of those slumps sometimes. So good. So, so good. good. Remember Paul the that. Apostle, right? He prayed three times, God, heal me, heal me, heal me. And he said he kept, you know, the point is he keeps, he keeps praying. Just keep bringing it to him, keep bringing it to him. And God said, hey, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's yeah. great, Trey. Come on. That's Love good. That. That's so good. good, Trey. Good, good, good. All right, our next question uh, is about drinking. We're not talking about Sprite, okay? So we're talking about drinking. Is it okay to drink? Is it not okay? How much is too much? What are the boundaries on drinking? There was a lot of questions about this. You guys all really that stressed out? My goodness. (laughs) Come on, everybody. Um, So, yeah, let me give you you a a filter, not just for drinking, but for all all things, what I call gray areas. Like, what does God's word say about this? And maybe there's not something very specific. Um, here's when you're facing any of these questions. First question is this, is it actually a gray area? Is this a gray area? Like we need to go to God's word and be like, what does God's word say anything about this? What does, what does God's word really say? And what you want is what God's word says, not what you heard. Well, I heard a pastor one time say this, and I heard a pastor one time say that, and, and you're gonna get everything. Don't ever put it on your lips and don't touch it. And others go, there's freedom. You drink till you, you know, whatever. And there's this big... You need to know, what does God's word say? So everybody, let's take this. Is this a gray area? What does the Bible say about about drinking? Well, the Bible is actually very clear about drinking. You ready? Ephesians chapter five, verse 16. Do not get drunk with wine. So what does the Bible say? Don't get drunk. Now, that's that's very clear, but it's also not clear. Because for a lot of people, you're like, well, where's that line? <laughs> I can't answer that. I just know the Bible says, don't do it. Yeah. Something happens when you're, when you're drunk, 
it's funny, that verse actually goes on to say, do not get drunk with wine, but, but in, in, instead be, be yielded to the spirit. So what he's saying is don't yield your life over to this. Don't be under the control of wine. Be under the control of the spirit of God. And what he's saying is you can't do both at the same time. You can't be yielded to God's plan and yielded to alcohol's plan at the same time. So don't get drunk. Now, a lot of you, I don't know where that line is. Um, well, I, I would tell you the same thing I would tell a young couple that asked me where the line is. You know, how far is too far? I say, don't ask how, how close to the line can you get? Ask this question, how far from the line can I stay? That needs to be our attitude. Well, how much can I drink before? It's like, just don't, just don't go there. Don't go to that line because that is, that is for sure, I mean, that's sin. Um, Bible says, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That's, a, that's Ephesians uh, 5, 16. Romans 13, 13 talks about the same thing. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 talk about the same thing. So now with that said, can I drink? You need to pay attention to your conscience. We know you cannot get drunk. You need to pay attention to your conscience. What does your conscience say? Okay, and this is, again, for anything with gray area or what am I supposed to do with this? Is it actually a gray area? And, and if it is, you gotta go, right now the gray area is, well, am I allowed to touch alcohol? Am I allowed to have a glass of wine with my pizza? I don't know what you're looking for here. But, but to answer that question, you gotta say this now. Okay, is it a gray area? I can't get drunk. Okay, well, can I, can I consume alcohol? Well, what does your conscience say? Okay, that's the next thing I say to you. Because there are things in, in scripture where scripture isn't just black and white, clear as day. It's like, you gotta pay attention to this thing God gave you called a conscience. Don't break your conscience. God gave it to you for a reason. And there are a lot of people who feel in their conscience that they should never touch alcohol. Listen to me, don't touch alcohol. God gave you that conscience, don't touch it. There's other people who feel like, well, I have the freedom. I can't have a glass of wine and I can't. Great, don't get drunk. Are we okay so far? And that's just scriptural. That's what the Bible says. You get people on both sides that come over here and argue, well, you should never touch it. Well, that's hard to say because Paul actually told one of the disciples, like, hey, have a, have, have, drink, start drinking some wine instead of just water because you're sick and that wine's gonna help kill some of that stuff. And people go through all these great lengths to say, well, that was, it wasn't yet fermented. And it's like, come on, guys. Like Jesus' first miracle was he made wine at a wedding and people get the same argument. Well, it wasn't, it's like, all right, um, they, were, they were getting drunk on water, everybody? No, like Jesus actually turned it to wine. And so it's like, you can't go to this wild extreme of going, you can't touch it. But you do have to pay attention to your conscience. Um, I hear a lot of Christians, and here's this last, this last part of it. So for some Christians, their conscience is clean. I could have a glass of wine. Okay, great, don't get drunk. Other Christians, it's not. And there's reasons why. If God's giving you that conscience, you pay attention to it because maybe you can't, uh, there is something with alcohol that will actually bring you to a really bad spot. I've, I've seen it happen with a lot of my, my dear friends. I've seen it happen to pastors. I've seen it happen where alcohol actually becomes a hold on their life. And I tell you, every, every one of them had, had some sort of conviction about it that they weren't, or conscience about it that they weren't willing to stay submitted to because listen to me, listen, they had friends that said, oh, there's liberty, just do whatever you want. But the reality is you need to, you need to pay attention to what God told you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So 
1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 through 13, Paul, like the most biblical example we have that relates to this is, is the eating of meat that's been offered to, offered to idols. Let me give you this real quick and then we'll move on to the next question. So in that, in that day, there were those who would eat meat that was offered to idols. So in, in pagan temples, they would go and they would offer meat to false gods and then they would go and sell it on the street. And there's a lot of Christians, come on, that would be like, I'm not touching that stuff. That's been offered, to, that's been offered to, to idols. That's been offered. They, they had a conscience where they said, I can't touch it. That's not right. God wouldn't want me to do that. And then others came in. They're like, who cares? The gods aren't even real gods anyway. Just eat the darn meat. Like, just eat it. You know, they're all fighting about it. Well, should we eat the meat or should we not eat the meat? Should we drink or should we not drink? Should we, right? And Paul just comes in and goes, hey, listen, pay attention to your conscience. Uh, to him who it is sin, it, it is sin. And then he says this. In 1 Corinthians chapter eight, he says, but you must be careful that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. He says this, for others see you with your superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that's been offered to an idol? You following? So they see you doing it, they go, well, it must be okay, but now they're violating their, 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 their conscience. So because of your superior knowledge, there's freedom and I can do whatever I want. It says this, I added that part, by the way. You could tell, right? That wasn't what it said there. Um, because of your superior knowledge, a weaker brother from who Christ died is now destroyed. His consciousness, he's fallen into sin. It says, and when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something that they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So they, listen to me, those who walk around, I got freedom to drink, I do whatever I want. The Bible said, be very careful with that. Because if you cause somebody to stumble who feels in their conscience that it's not okay, now you're in sin. You have caused your brother to stumble. Watch what Paul says. He says, so if what I eat causes another brother to sin, he says this, I'll never eat meat again as long as I live. For I don't want to cause any believer to stumble. And that was Paul's take on it. Paul's just like, if this is gonna hurt somebody, Paul would say this, I love I love others more than I love my freedom. I love others more. Do I have the freedom? Sure. But I love others more than I love my freedom. And so I'm just gonna make sure that it don't cause others to stumble. Now, what you do with that, you do with that. But this is what the Bible says. Don't get drunk, okay? And then when, if you are gonna drink, you be very careful that first of all, you're not getting drunk. And second of all, you are not causing anyone to stumble. Don't you be posting on Instagram about your thing and don't be inviting friends. I've watched dear friends walk down paths that they should have never walked down because other believers told them they had freedom. And the reality was they did not have freedom because they had a conscience that said they shouldn't touch the stuff. You got people coming out of backgrounds where it's been abused. You come out of backgrounds where they've, they, they're very sensitive to it. And you, dear brothers and sisters, listen to me, you need to learn to love people more than you do your freedom, okay? And you just need to guard that. There you go. There you go, well said, it's well said. Come on, Tatum, what do you think? I'm just kidding. I agree with everything you just said. I'm just gonna stick with my Sprite. Um, we all have relationships, we have family members, we have friends that are not walking with Jesus. Uh, how do we navigate those relationships? You get all the easy questions, Pastor yeah, Trey. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm just it. kidding. You, so, yeah. uh, how to navigate people that don't know Jesus. Yeah, well, first of all, you're in good company um, because <laughs> Jesus had family members that, that didn't believe him, right? That's great. Like, That's great. Um, John 7, 5 says, for even his own brother's 
did not, did not believe him. Could you imagine being the brother of Jesus, though? Like, I mean, that's tough. That's tough. He's so, he's so perfect. and can't live up to that. that. That would be hard. But his own brothers didn't believe him. What, one passage, uh, I think it's in Mark, actually says that uh, his brother said that Jesus, he's claiming to be God, all this. Like, Jesus is out of his mind. It's like what, what his brothers say. So, so you're in good company. You're in good company. I think, some of, I think probably a lot of this answer could go along with the first, the first answer you gave to the first question. It's, um, we, we've got to, obviously we got to love people. Got to love people right where they are. Love them just like Jesus did. Um, I, I always want to go from this angle because it always frustrates me when Christians get mad at non-Christians for acting like non-Christians. Right. Like, right. They, they're not believers. They're not going to act like believers. Like, stop getting so upset and so worked up because they said this and they did this and they think like this. Like, uh, yeah, because right. they, they don't know Jesus. Right. They're, they're going to. Um, so I think, first of all, like, if that's you, if you get super, you know, super kind of holier than thou and, and uh, get so worked up over that, like, take a, just chill, all right? Chill a little bit. Right? They're not going to act like believers. Yeah. Um, so how do you navigate those relationships? Uh, again, I think a lot of it goes to understanding. Um, man, the understanding the power of persistent prayer uh, for your lost family members, lost loved ones, lost, lost friends, like persistent prayer. You got to understand that second Corinthians says that the God of this age, uh, the, you know, that's, that's the devil is he, he blinds the minds of unbelievers. There is a supernatural attack on the minds of unbelievers that we have to pray against. Scripture says that we don't wage war like the world does. And we, we wage war in the, in the spiritual and the supernatural. So don't underestimate the power of prayer. Um, pray, pray for, pray for them, pray for them. Um, love them, like genuinely love them. They'll know we're his disciples. They'll know we're followers of Jesus by the love that we show. Like love, love, love them. And then, and then the last one I would say is, is lead them. Like, yeah, what do you mean, Trey? Lead, lead them. Like, lead by example. Like there's probably some, <laughs> there's probably some Christians who have lost loved ones who, um, if I'm going to be honest, like, I don't, if you're the example, I don't know that I'd follow Jesus either. Like, I don't know that I'd believe, <laughs> like, like, come on, like you got to take some accountability and responsibility, which I would argue with any relationship, like we, we have to take more responsibility than we want to take responsibility for because we want to blame it on everybody else. Like we want to blame it on them, want to blame it on my spouse, want to blame it on my brother, my sister. Like, but we got to take responsibility, take accountability and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for them. I'm going to love them and I am going to lead them by example. I'm going to show them what following Jesus is like, it's what great. having a relationship with Jesus is like. Good. What are your thoughts, PC? I think that's great. I think you crushed it. Come on. I think you crushed it. Let's um we got that's great. We got a bunch of them. So let's see how many we can move through okay. in, in the time that we have. I, big questions, hey, but this quick is on answers. I'm I know. Fast. I'm sorry. I know you're I'm fast. fast. It's on you I guys. keep talking a whole lot. Trey, okay. you're crushing it though. 
Okay. So this, this next one is a hot topic, especially here in California. And so the question is, is the pro-choice position on uh, abortion biblical? Yeah. So I just got done saying we need to give quick answers and then, <laughs> and then we open up this can of worms. Okay. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to give you, give you, the question is, is it, is pro-choice position on abortion biblical? Uh, the answer is this, Jeremiah 1.5 tells us that God knows us before we were formed in our womb. Psalm 139.13 says, for you created my innermost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 through 25, if you're taking notes, the same punishment is dealt to the, it talks about two men getting in a fight and, and a, a, a woman who's pregnant uh, having that child prematurely if that child does not die, the, the, the consequence was that the husband could decide, you know, whatever he wanted to decide uh, would be the punishment for whoever hit his wife. But if that child was to die, the same punishment for the death of that child, uh, that un, unborn child, would be the same punishment as it would be for any life. Uh, life for life is eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and, and scripture talks about. The point is this, is that God sees life as in, in humanity as something that, is, that happens in the, in the womb. That this, this is a human being, this is a child, okay? And with that said, it's biblical. And we got like a half a clap, okay? And I get it, I get it, because everyone's like, what about choice? What about choice? Friends, we have this miracle that God gives us in pregnancy of, of life. And I don't know how to help you understand when, when we talk about the, the choice thing other than say, that's a life. What do I do? What happens? Somebody asked the question, what happens when someone's been raped? Do they carry the child? Listen, all I can tell you is that God sees that child as a child and that child is as precious to God as, as the, the one that you're driving to school on on. on on a Monday morning to get him to school. Like, like God sees it that way. Um, when there's questions of rape and all these extenuating questions that we love to talk about, I, I need you to understand that's, like, that's less than 1%, by the way. It really is. And even in that, I would go as far as to say this, is that a child who's conceived through rape or incest has as much, is as much made in the image of God as any other human. And, and dear mommy, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And the church needs to rally alongside you and help you. If you are unable to um, parent that child, the church needs to put their money where their mouth is and come alongside you and be ready to adopt. We got, we got families in this church that have adopted, yeah. even right now, the incredible couples that have taken children. And, and we just need to come alongside you. So we can't come over here and say, you know, carry the child. And then we're not there to help. You gotta help. And we just need to make sure that, man, we're putting our, we're doing it. And I wanna say this, because I know we said being quick, but I need to look at all y'all, because I know in this room that there are women, there are ladies who have wrestled with this, and you've maybe gone on and, and had an abortion. And, and you hear things like this, and you just feel so broken and so hurt. And I wanna reaffirm the fact that God loves you. And he, Bible says that in him, 
old things have passed away and all things have become new. And, and, and when you hear truth, when you hear God's word and you look back and you go, oh, but I did this. And, you, you, and those, those things, I talk to gals who, who just like up at night sometimes just with the weight of decisions they've made in the past or that they're facing now. I just gotta, you gotta hear me. God cleanses us of all guilt. And then it goes on to say this, and shame. Like God can cleanse you of all guilt and shame. Amen. And so know that. And when the enemy comes knocking at your door, trying to get you to think about what you just go, he has cleansed me of all guilt and shame. And the Bible, I'll give you this. David, when his, when his child died, he said, he said, my child will not come to me, but I will go to be with my child. So precious. So that's good. Our next question is, we all have busy lives, right? We have work, we have home, we have church. How do I prioritize all of this? Getting in a small group, being on a team, everything else I have going on, how do I prioritize all these things? A quick answer? Yes. A uh, quick answer, quick Sorry. answer. Um, uh, serve and join a group and period. No, just uh, <laughs> navigate. Um, I, I've, I believe there's no balance is a myth, right? Like you're, you're not going to be able to balance everything in your life. Um, and I need to deflect this question to you guys because you're so great at talking about rhythms and you got to find healthy rhythms for your family. There are seasons in life. God's a God of seasons, like create seasons. I would, I would just pose this question. Um, the decisions that you're making about your schedule or the things in your life that you're doing or not doing, are you making them out of feeling? Are you making them out of, um, I just really enjoy this. This is what I, this is what I'd rather be doing. Or are you making it out of like, these, these are some core convictions I have in my life that these are the things I should be doing. And then everything else is supplemental. I think we got a lot of people that are just they're just picking from a list of all these opportunities of things right, they could yeah. be doing as opposed to saying, well, no, here's what I feel like for our family. This is what God has called us to do. Here's some, here's some foundational core things that we're going to do. Yeah. And, uh, and then everything else, you know, in the right season, at the right time, you know, we can, we can add those things to the list. I would, I would say this because I am the team guy at church. I, I would say this, that scripture is very clear and I'm looking at everybody in the room. Scripture is clear that you are saved to serve. You are saved to serve. You yeah. are called to yeah. serve people. I could go through all the scripture. I have it written down. If you want to talk to me later when you're telling me what team you want to join, we can do that. But, <laughs> but you are called to serve and you're called to be in community with other people, uh, with, with the church, with people that are like-minded fellow believers. So quick answer is get some, get some convictions, get some core convictions. Yeah. And like, just for example, one of those, we, we did this during COVID where we said like, maybe, maybe God's calling you to slow down and say no to a lot of things. And absolutely. Like some of you do need to say no to some things in your life. Like I'm just, listen, little Johnny's not going to play professional sports. I'm just telling you, he's not that good. Okay. And y'all are dragging your kids to every single game for every single sport. And it's killing your schedule and it's killing your family time. It's killing yourself. Like you're, you're exhausted and you're like, he's not that good. Okay. <laughs> Let me just say lot, like just, just say receive lot. that. Okay. But no, there are some things you need to say no to church 
is not one of them. Come on, Trey. Church so is good. not one of them. So good. And serving is not one of them. Serving is not one. And so Can Pastor Trey will be I know, at the- I know, it's, I know we're late. Just want to add to that, and I, I don't have the percentages in front of me, but the percentage, uh, if kids are raised in the church, the percentage yeah. that they will go to church yeah. and bring their own family to church, it's like 90%. I mean, yeah. it is so high. Yeah, so the most important thing that you can do during the week is get your kids in church. Come on, and, and the serving thing. Guys, listen to me. We want to see revival in California, and it's not going to happen by all of us sitting around like, oh, I'm too tired. Like, come on, we need you. The church. We can't see the full expression of what God wants to do at Citizens Church until the people who have been gifted by God step in and do and live out the gift that God gave them within the context of the church. We, don't even, we haven't even begun to see what God wants to do at Citizens. And I'm telling you, the more we lean and we serve, we play our part, you're going to see it. Um, I know we got to close, but Tatum, please talk to the parenting thing really quick because there was a question about parenting. I'm so, listen, we're going to, next service, we're going to record all of that. There's a whole bunch of other questions we're going to do even in that next service so you can watch that online. But Tatum, hit that really quick. Uh, should I let my kids learn from their mistakes or guide their every step? Um, that's a great question. Um, in Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will d- not depart from it. Um, we have to train our children. We cannot just let them figure it out on their own. So there is a balance there of we've got to let them feel the weight of some things. They're going to make mistakes. Kids are going to make, we all made mistakes. Our kids are going to make mistakes. But there's, there's weights that we put on our kid as they get older. They get to carry a little bit more weight. That's right. Um, That's I want to speak real quickly. I, I think this is most prevalent in the teenage years. And I see a lot of parents, that's when they start to get hands off and they kind of, hey, I'm going to let them have their freedom or maybe just having a teenager freaks you out. And so I see parents getting less involved. And that is the season when your kids need you the most. Amen. They need you the most Amen. to help direct their friendships, their relationships, dating, all of that stuff. They need you to be involved in that 100%. And so don't, don't get on the sidelines when they're teenagers. So good. Stay super involved, but also know you can't be helicopter mom and dad. You can't make every decision for them. Your kids are going to make mistakes, and they got to feel the weight of some of those mistakes that they make. All right, all right. I had a... I had a um... I had a uh, mom one time in a counseling thing say, what do I do? My kids listen to this music and I don't think they should be listening to it. I said, how old, how old is your daughter? She said, 15 years old. I said, you take that CD, you huck it out your window and you keep driving. She said, I can do that. I said, absolutely. You can do that and you should do that because that child, that child, Tate said, you, you train them and then you start giving them responsibility. If they don't do what they've been trained to do, then you step in and train them again. And, and you just keep going and you get a certain amount of years to do that. All right, everybody. Hey, why don't you stand to your feet with me? Come on. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives change through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Gotta, gotta keep on.